Well, you guys ready to get in the word a little bit? Can you just sense the Holy Spirit just kind of refreshing? Just washing over your spirit? It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're talking about Christ the healer, or I would get used to saying it this way, Christ our healer. You might even go a little further and go, Christ my healer. Because he is. He is your healer. I'm telling you, He'll heal your physical body. He's already, he's already taken care of where it says Jesus, he came to heal the brokenhearted. That, that phrase in the Greek means the ones that have a breach in spirit. In other words, you're, you're whole now. You know, your spirit is whole. But he'll take care of your physical body. He'll heal your emotions. He'll untwist those emotions. He'll dispel and get all the fear out of you as you gain a revelation of who he is. He is truly the healer. So last week, we've been talking about how people came to hear and be healed. Then we talked specifically of the story of the healing of the leper, how that this man was in a hopeless condition showing that it's never hopeless with God. It's never too late. And then we see the great reality that Jesus told this man, because this man was, he was convinced Jesus could heal him. But then he let the man know, because he was unsure if he would. And then Jesus reaching out and touched him and said, literally, of course I will. And it was in the continual present tense in the Greek, I always will. Amen? Well, I want to take you into a story today about the healing of the man that was blind in Bethsaida. And I'm hoping to maybe get to another story too because there's a couple principles that I want you to see. But I want you to realize everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said is a direct revelation of the will of God for all men and for all time. So we can simply look at the ministry of Jesus in relation to divine healing and know without a shadow of a doubt that it's always his will. Healing is always his will. Not 99% of the time, always. As you get into the scripture, you find out that all this healing took place almost 2,000 years ago. So now it's literally not a matter of God healing you. It's a matter of you just believing and receiving it. And as you receive that by faith, he'll perform it. He'll perform what he's already paid for, always. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians. I want to go through a couple scriptures 1 Thessalonians 2 in verse 13 is a powerful scripture because it's honor. It's how you receive the word of God is everything. You see in all of these cases of healing, you see people that were honoring him. You see when Jesus was not honored, when God was not honored, you always see people are not able to lay hold of things. And we right now are in a shift, I believe. We are probably the, 
the epitome of the height of the greatest amount of dishonor towards God, towards his church, towards his ministers, towards each other, his people, that we've ever seen in the history of the church. Dishonor. I may read my Bible, I may not. I may go to church, I may not. I have no reservation talking about any minister and just bashing him. And actually, I don't have any reservation bashing any other believer, even though Jesus said we're to love each other unconditionally. But I say that's changing, and I believe you're going to see the greatest level of honor that you've ever seen. And it's going to literally, literally open a, a, a floodgate of miracles, healings, and all that. It's going to be wonderful, and we're in the middle of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For this cause, now this is Paul, he is literally sending this letter to the church at Thessalonica. He says, for this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. This, he, he literally said, guys, because of what you're doing, I thank God without ceasing for you. You know, prayers of supplication, like in Ephesians and Colossians, all those prayers, they, Paul didn't pray those for everyone. He would say things like, you know, when I heard of your faith and your love for all the saints, I cease not to pray for you, that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, wait, now, wait a minute, Paul. Why, why aren't you praying that for people that are missing it? He didn't. He said, when I heard of your faith, when I heard of your love, I prayed. I saw that years ago. Because the Lord asked me what I was doing. I was praying for a person that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and they would know the hope of their calling, you know, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the great power that's pointed towards them as they believe. And the Lord goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm praying a prayer of supplication for this person that I know. He goes, Tony, they have made decisions not to serve me, not to walk with me. So I would have to violate their will to do that. They don't want that. God won't ever violate our will. This is a whosoever will let him come. But when I hear of your faith and your love for all the saints, I cease not to pray for you. It's interesting. It's interesting. This story about the guy at Bethsaida, Jesus literally pulled him out of this town that rejected him pulled him out of the town, ministered to him, and then said, listen, go show the priest, right? But do not go back to the town. Wow. That's interesting. Let's look at this. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God. So Paul, this is what they were doing. When they receive the word of God, this Greek word receive means to take, to accept, to join to yourself. That means when I'm hearing the word, I'm joining it to myself. To receive to oneself. When you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. 
Today, I'm preaching to you. But I got to tell you, the thing that's so fun when I get up here and stand before you and preach is there's an overwhelming sense that you are not receiving the word of Tony Finley. You are receiving the word as it is in truth. It is a word from God. This scripture is God-breathed. Isn't that amazing? It says, now it talks about the word here, which effectually works. That means it's operative. It means it's at work. It means that this word, it's putting forth power in you. It's active and it's effective. The word effectually works in you that believe. So you're going to see this in the body of Christ because I believe, I believe we're going to see so many people come to themselves and they're going to turn and return to the Lord. They're going to do it. Why? Because we're praying for our brothers and sisters. Lord, stir them. Convince them to turn from where they are and to turn to you. Bring laborers across their path. That's how you pray for a Christian that's out to lunch. As a matter of fact, when we get to heaven, guess what we're going to run into? We might run into somebody who lived 300 years before us, and we're going to be walking, and I'm going to see this lady, and I'm going to go, wow. And I'll know her name because we know, right? I'll know her name, and I'll say, hey, you prayed for me, didn't you? And she'll be like, yeah, you know, I was in this hut in the desert in Saudi Arabia, and one night I just started praying in the Spirit, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I'll be, I'll be weeping, I'll be going, wow, now you know that was for me, right? She's like, yeah. And when I got here, I got to see everything that God used you to do. Because see, guys, we're all one, right? The word effectually works in you as you believe it. So believe it. By his stripes, you were healed. It's always God's will that you walk in health. I'm telling you, in this time that we live in, you know, many of us got hit with this virus. So let's learn of that, and let's never get hit with another one. Because we have the healer on the inside of us, right? And how do we do? We just keep believing. We keep believing. We keep speaking, right? That's why, as a church family, those that are still those that are still fighting these symptoms, we undergird them with our faith because we're one. If one will put a, th some, a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000. Let's just get a whole bunch of people praying, right? Matthew, go to Matthew chapter 7 in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7 in verse 24. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We receive the word of God. When the Bible says, don't forget his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, you receive that because that is your God saying that to you. When the word says you can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens you. That is the word of God. Wow, isn't that amazing? I receive his word as, as it tr is in truth, his word. And it effectually works in me as I believe it. So Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. So now I'm receiving. See, when you look at the word receive, did you notice part of that definition was to join to yourself? In other words, you take it up and you act on it or you do it. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto a man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house. Notice the storms of life will beat on your house. Right? But, look at what it says, and it fell not because it was founded upon a rock. What is the rock? I've, I, I've literally, let, let's look at it. It's, it's more than Jesus. The rock is hearing and doing the word. Well, my life is just built on Jesus. It's built on hearing Jesus and doing. Never forget the doing. Right now in the church, we have so many people, and I'm talking about our circles. I could, I could say faith circles from the standpoint we talk about faith a lot. That, that we're doing 50%. We're actually, we're, we're, we're listening and we're believing, but we're not speaking very much. And speaking is the key. Got to speak all the time. You're standing against circumstances. Father, I thank every, every time you think about it. Father, I thank you that I'm healed in Jesus' name. Because why? This word effectually works in you. Amen. It says, this house did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. I hear the word and I do the word. In other words, I must build. We, we must build our lives on the foundation of God's word. This is, I'm telling you guys, this is imperative right now. There are so many believers that have used this virus to literally solidify, I probably am never going to go back to church. Because they don't see the importance of it. They'll go to a grocery store because they do see the importance of that. Right? But here's the thing. We can help all of our brothers and sisters by just walking it out in our own life right? We work out our own salvation and it'll attract because things could get a little crazy and people are going to be looking at you going, 
it's getting really crazy, but man, you're, you're happy? You're safe? You're increasing financially? You're healthy? What's going on? Jesus, right? We could help our brothers and sisters that way. The difference in this story, if you read the other people who built their house upon sand, the difference was what they put in themselves before the storms came, right? God will always have you ahead of the ball game. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. We'll be going to Bethsaida shortly here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. You guys doing good? Man, I'm just, I'm sensing a lot of joy here today. Are you guys happy? You seem happy. You look serious, but I think you're thinking. You guys are note-taking, right? It's a little stressful taking notes when I preach. Because, you, you know, you're, you're, you hear something and you're like, it's from God's word. And you start writing and then I'll say something else and you're like, oh. But realize that if you really want to really get this on the inside of you, just go back and listen to it. And, and, and take a notepad and take your Bible. Because this message is literally designed to equip you. Every message is. That's one of the things from your pastor. Every, uh, the pastoral office, that's what happens. But your local church is a foundation there. Because it's really cool. You could shut me up in a moment. Just go. <laughs> Sometimes my wife wishes I would do that, right? She's like, honey, I got to get something done, please. I'm like, okay. So it says here in Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And then he says this, whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man. Boy, does it sound like we're getting a little more revelation into this story. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep. Have you ever dug a hole? I mean, I remember when I was a little kid. I'm like eight years old. And I wouldn't do what my stepdad was telling me to do. So he took me outside, eight years old, gave me a shovel, and goes, dig a hole. I'm like, what? I want you to dig a hole. And he left. Goes back in the house. So, you know, I mean, it, I'm trying to, with the shovel, try to dig a hole. You know, finally I get, I get this like little, just kind of break it, and there's just like a little, little dip in the dirt. I go back in, I said, I, I dug the hole. And he, he walks out, he looks at it, I go, is that good? He goes, no, dig it deeper. And he just turns around and walks away. My mom said for about three hours, have you ever dug a hole? Man, it's hard. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was helping a friend, should have never done this. I should have never said, yeah, brother, I'll help you. <laughs> he was putting a deck on the back of this country club area over water. He goes, can you help me build the deck? I'm like, yeah, I don't know really what to do, but I could carry stuff or whatever. And it's in Chicago. It's so hot. It's like, I don't even remember what month it was, July, August, whatever. But we go, or yeah, we go back and there's water. And I'm like, well, how, 
how are you going to build a deck over the water? Well, what we're going to have to do is build up and then pump the water out. And then, and, and so, so then it was too far away to get one of those cement truck things in. So we had to take post hole diggers and, and dig the pilings, they were called. You'd dig this hole and then put this thing down in there and then he would mix cement. I think one day I carried, I don't even know, something like 20 some hundred pounds. I, I, would, I would carry these big bags and you'd have to carry them down a slope. But then we found out another thing. Oh, and by the way, this used to be a brick factory years and years ago. So when it's not like you're even digging, you had to break up bricks. Oh my gosh, my wrist still kind of hurts when I think about that. <laughs> And you, and, you know, you have to carry this 50-pound bag of cement down this, and then walk back up. and It was crazy. Dig a hole. Digging, digging deep is not easy. It's not fun sometimes. But I'm telling you, when you dig deep, whoever comes to me, and hears my sayings and does them. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Came to me, hears my sayings, wow, and does them. That's how, that's the rock, right? When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, says, I love this, I love Luke's account, and could not shake it. That means your house is not even to shake during these times. Have you ever had winds by your house and your, your windows kind of rattle a little bit? Your, your, the windows of your life are not to rattle. They're not. No matter what the storm is, it's not even to move you because you have come to Jesus, you have heard him, and you are doing it. Which means he, his word governs my speech. His word governs my beliefs. His word tells me what I'm seeing that's true or what I'm seeing that's changeable, right? This is what this is talking about. You see these types of things in these healing accounts. Woman with the issue of blood, the leper. Leper put his life on the line, right? Could have been stoned. Woman with the issue of blood could have been stoned. Let's look at blind Bartimaeus. Let's go to, I'm going to read through Mark's account, but this account is found in different places, so we might jump around a little bit. But go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. This is the healing of the man who was blind at Bethesda. Or I'm sorry, Bethesda. Isn't that like a military thing somewhere, Bethesda, Maryland? No, this is Bethsaida, a different part of the world. Here we go. So Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and he says this, and he comes to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him, or they called for Jesus to touch this man. See, you can see the faith of the blind man here and those, you could see the faith in those that brought him to Jesus because they came expecting. They're like, Jesus, touch him. I mean, the Bible talked about when Jesus would go places, everybody he would touch 
would be healed. Power or virtue would go out of him and he would heal all of them. Verse 23, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, that's really uplifting. His friends are like, can you touch him? Jesus is like, yeah, come with me. And he takes him out of the town. Sometimes that might be a little uncomfortable. Because it's, 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 well, no, no, wait a minute. Can you just pray for me here? But always know if God is stirring you to move you someplace, he's trying to get you out of a wrong environment into a right environment. The enemy will work on you your whole life trying to keep you in a wrong environment. The blessing of the Lord is in the, in the land that he tells you to be at. So then, not only that, he's out of town. Is, no doubt, you know, his friends are probably standing there. They ask Jesus to touch him. And then he spits on his eyes. What is going on here? This is different, Right? And then he put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw, asked him if he saw aught, or in the, that's King James, if he saw anything. So Jesus takes the man out of town. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was getting the man used, he was getting him used to walking with him. Come on, come with me. Has, has, has the Lord, when you're believing God for something, you're like, Lord, I need you to move right now. Has he ever done this to you? Hey, Hey, Pastor Mark, you know, Pastor Mark's over here going, okay, God, you got to move today. And he's like, okay, that's great. Come on up here. I, I want to talk to you. So how's it going? Has, has God ever done that with you? And you're like, it's going great. Hey, I really, you know, I need this to happen. And yeah. right. And your word says, that, you know, we're faith people and the word and I declare and, 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 and the Lord doesn't interrupt you. He lets you do your five confessions. And then he's like, okay, come here. I want to talk to you about something. I remember when we're looking for a building. I'm out in California because I'm like, this building off Fort Street, I'm thinking it's, it's the building. I'm taking guys over in our church to the building. And out of honor for me, they're not saying anything, but they're walking away going, oh my gosh, is that going to be a lot? You know? And everybody kind of saw that, but me, I'm in California. I'm at the beach praying, Lord, we have to know, is this the building or not? It was, it was several days. God's talking to me about my kids, our, my marriage, my life. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But what about the building? Right? Has God ever done that with you? This is kind of what he's doing here. He's, he's getting the man used to walking with him. He's getting him in a right environment. Jesus was helping this man be in an environment to receive. Listen, as you walk around this church, if you're drawn to somebody, don't, don't, well, I'm kind of quiet. No, no, you might be drawn to them because they might be part of an environment that you need. And that could be the Lord leading and guiding you. Satan loves it when people just, you know, like mice, church gets over and we're gone. He loves that. So let always be conscious in this story, 
Jesus had to move this man. He was helping him take him from where he was to a position where he could receive. Jesus had to get this man out of his current environment to help him. There was too much doubt and unbelief if you look at the history of all this. You must be in a faith-charged environment, not a doubt and fear-charged environment. Yeah, but, you know, I just got to stay over here because, you know, man, if I leave this church, which I'm drying up spiritually in, what are they going to do? There's going to be nobody to do children's church or nobody to... Have you ever been there? Or, you know, I just really, my friends really need Jesus and I need to be with them. And, and if a person ever wakes up there, many times, if the Lord gave, gives them an aerial view, they're like, ooh, not only am I not being a witness, man, they're winning me over. Right? You must be in a life-charged environment, not a death-charged environment. If I ever start preaching internet stories and nice leadership quotes, and le now there's nothing wrong with those, as long as I have a, a foundation of scripture after scripture after scripture. If I ever start, start doing that, you know, or wear skinny jeans and start spiking my hair really weird or whatever, just, just run, say, Pastor, we love you, we'll pray for you. We're even willing to come back if you ever get back on the path. Because you can't be in that environment. You have to be in an environment of faith. The environment of the correct church, the correct close friends, you know, that builds, it, it's part of helping you build your faith. So let me read, keep, stay in Mark, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 11, because I need to give you a little background why Jesus would have done this. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 20 and 21, it says, Then began he, talking about Jesus, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. He said, Woe unto you, woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. This is why Jesus moved him out of Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus wrought more miracles in Capernaum than in any other place. However, overall, Capernaum rejected the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, if you look at Bethsaida, he never did any more miracles in Bethsaida. This man, who, the, who his father obviously wanted him to minister to, he took him out of Bethsaida because they had rejected his ministry. Jesus told his disciples, I do not want you to go to Bethsaida. Wow. They rejected the ministry of Jesus, so Jesus rejected them. That, that seems harsh, but is it? Do you know as a pastor, it, in, in 13 years, man, 
What has worn me out more than anything are people that don't want God. They just want to come and tell you all their problems. They have no, I'm not coming to church. I'm not reading my Bible. I've even had people tell me that. Pastor, I need to meet with you. We need to talk. Now, now I know you always preach the word. I'm not willing to read the Bible and I'm, and I'm not willing to come to church. And they're really surprised when I'm like, okay, so I'm not willing to meet with you. You know, like, like the cartoon, I am offended, right? You guys, I don't even remember what movie that was. I've seen so many children's movies, wow. I am offended, okay. But what could I possibly do to help somebody? If they're not willing to be in church, if they're not willing to read the Bible, what could I possibly say that could ever possibly help them? Nothing. So I would rather them be a little upset at me and maybe leave and get all upset and then get beat up for maybe six more months and go, you know, maybe not everybody else in my life is the problem. Maybe I need to make a change, right? So this is kind of what Jesus is doing here. Jesus, if you'll notice the ministry of Jesus, he never accepted any challenges to prove his message. Never. The people would say, prove it to us, Jesus, in his own hometown. Show us. Go, you do the miracles here that you were doing before you got here, and we'll believe. Jesus said, no, no sign will be given to you. Jesus said, believe, and you'll receive. Doubt, you're going to do without. That's, this is the way God is with everybody. He's like, I love you. I've sent my son. He paid his life to have you. And now I'm just setting before you life and death. God is amazing how he knows the choice has to be ours. Right? So now let's jump back here. Go to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. We have time. It's like the Incredibles, right? I got time. And it says here in Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not spend a lot of time with them in hopes that they might someday change. No, no, no. I have a lot of people in my life that I'm praying for, as the Lord stirs me, people that have been playing with God for decades. And you know, every once in a while, I'll get a phone call. Hey, or I'll get a text usually. Pastor, I know I don't go to your church, my church, right? Like it's my church. You know, I know I don't go to your church, but would you be willing to talk with me? I'm, I'm really struggling. That happens to me a lot, a lot. Sometimes children of people in, in our church here will get my number and text me, hey, could I talk with you? And, and it, it cracks me up because I'm like, sure can, because I've been praying for you for a long time. Maybe this is the time, you know? And that's the way Jesus is. Have you ever noticed that with you and I? Have you ever come to him and then not done what you should do and you end up going around that mountain. But what happens is he always ends up somehow bringing you right back to the, the mountain again. Okay, we're going to do it now? 
Have you ever been like me where you're, you, you know, you're wearing a deep trail around the mountain and those, 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 those trips around the mountain can cost you, right? But boy, eventually you're like, okay. That's what Jesus will do to people. But he's not, see, a lot of, pe- a lot of Christians won't witness to people because, oh my gosh, what if they ask me a question that I don't know? I've never been asked a question that I can't answer. Now, my answer might be, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. I mean, if they don't know the Lord, they're spiritually dead. So you, by default, have a PhD compared to them. If they're backslid, they're not in the Word at all. They're completely just riddled with inner turmoil. You'll be able to help them. I mean, this is how you help a a backslidden Christian. You know, Jesus loves you. And they're like, yeah, but I'm such a, you know, yeah, but Jesus loves you. Yeah, but guess what? Jesus loves you. And after about 300 times like that, all of a sudden they start going, wow, Jesus loves me. And it causes them to love Jesus. Right? Because he's irresistible. You see this, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Unbelief is what hindered the ministry of Jesus on the earth. Corporate unbelief hinders the ministry of Jesus. That's why he had to take this blind guy out of Bethsaida. He had to get him out of uh, an environment of corporate unbelief to help him. Getting rid of distractions will help people receive. Have you ever been ministering to somebody? Have you ever been ministering to somebody? And there's other people there. And, and I mean, it's crazy the distractions that'll start happening. I remember one night I was in Balboa with my college and career ministry and we were street witnessing. And, you know, right, right by the pier in Balboa, there was probably 60 bikers, all part of a biker gang. And, you know, I'm minding my business. We're passing out tracks to people and all this other stuff. And, and we're just, you know, we're, we would do that quite a bit. And, and, uh, and the Lord's like, and there, there was one guy. That you could tell he was the leader. He was the meanest looking dude, tough. And, you know, you just, not anybody you would ever want to mess with. And, of course, the Lord's like, I want you to go tell him that, that I love him and that you love him. And I'm like, you know, telling him Jesus loves him is one thing, but I love him? That's, uh, Lord, you know, that's like way out of the boat for me, right? So, so I walk up to this guy. And I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be a, a great story or I'm going to be in the hospital. And <laughs> either way, you know, I'm going to obey God, right? And so everybody in the college and career group, they're all stopped, man. They're, they're wherever they are. They're like, oh, what's he doing? You know? And I walk up to this man, rough, rough looking guy. And uh, all of them were very rough looking. And I, and I told him, I said, sir, I'm a Christian. And you could see it. The minute I said that, he's like, just, and I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, I'm thinking, I, I was, th- I literally was thinking this, that I was pretty sure 
I was athletic. I, I, I was pretty sure I could outrun him. <laughs> I was really hoping he probably didn't have a gun. But, I, you know, knife, I could probably outrun him. I could be okay. So, and I had even thought in my mind of where I would run. So I, you know, <laughs> not that I had the spirit of fear or anything, but just had a, you know, plan, plan, right? So I walk up to him and I, I tell him I'm a Christian and I said, the Lord wants you to know that he loves you. Jesus loves you. And, and I said, because he loves you, I'm compelled. I love you too. And the next thing I heard is, what the, and there was a bunch of adjectives, and he spit right in my face. And so, you know, I wipe it. Could you imagine now if somebody did that? Oh my gosh, you know, right? So, so I, wipe, I wipe the, I mean, it's, it's nasty. And I wipe it out of my eyes, and I wipe it off my face. And I, and I just looked at him, and I said, Sir, I'm, I, I apologize if I've offended you. You have a great evening. And, and you know, you kind of walk away going, okay. <laughs> right? Well, when I, when I said that to him, I noticed a guy on a motorcycle that was, they were all really together, but he was just like over here. And, and people were just laughing. They were kind of saying all kinds of things to me. But I noticed the one guy was just looking. So about an hour and a half, two hours later, all of a sudden, I mean, I was a little freaked out because this guy was pretty rough looking too. And this guy pulls up on a motorcycle and goes, he goes, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, publicly we're in Balboa. There's a lot of people around. Okay, not in some alley somewhere, right? And so I'm like, sure. And uh, he parks his bike and he walks over to me and he accepted Christ. Wow. He's like, he goes, I need Jesus in my life. You just never know. But what happened was Jesus got that guy out of that environment. I can imagine he's probably like, hey guys, go ahead and go to the bars, whatever. I'll join you later. I got to run and do something. That thought probably hit him, and that was probably the Holy Spirit trying to woo him. And then he runs into me, and he gets born again. See, you never know, but that's, I, re, I know I'm taking a lot of time with this, but this is so important. Wherever you are in your faith walk, whatever you're facing, Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, will move you into an environment of faith where you can receive from him. So be willing to move wherever, right? Just be willing. So Mark chapter 8, let's jump back there. Mark chapter 8, where do we leave off? Verse 23. So let's look at verse 24. And so, well, you know, let me go back. Let me just read this really quick. Verse 23, and he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, hallelujah. And the man looked up, now this is interesting in the Greek, because in the Greek language it would, it would literally be translated, and the man looked through, 
And the man looked through and said, I see men as trees walking. So in other words, this man was partially healed, but not completely. But, but the imperfection is never in the Lord, right? Know this, you could be, see, sometimes, here's the thing, you could be quoting scripture, believing God, and all of a sudden, man, you still get sick, or, or the symptoms, or it takes you a couple weeks, and, and word of faith people, that rocks them. Because it's like, you know, geez, man, I'm, I don't want to tell anybody, because my faith should be... Well, but then, but then what really is happening in a believer is they start going, well, partially healed, or this thing got worse. Well, you know, maybe it's not God's will to heal me. You know, I've been, I've been standing for years. Why is it not getting better? May, well, maybe, you know, I mean, I know Pastor Tony has all these scriptures that say it's his will, but, but maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Maybe it's not really his will. So know this. In Jesus' ministry, the guy who had the fullness of the Spirit bodily upon him spit in his eyes and laid hands on him, and the man saw partially. The imperfection, though, was not in the Lord. This was not really a partial healing. This was a partial receiving. Because the imperfection's never in the Lord. We've received from the Lord based on our faith, not on what God is able to do. You see that in the ministry of Jesus. Ten out of the 19 times, Jesus actually said to the person, your faith has made you whole. Seven out of the other nine, you see the person's faith. Their faith was usually the determining factor in their healing. So look at verse 25. So look at what Jesus did here. See, First of all, this is a story about Jesus moving you into the right environment to receive and then staying with you until you receive. He will stay with you. Verse 25, after that he put his hand again upon his eyes and made him look up again, look through. He told him to look through and he was restored restored. This means this blind man could see at another point in his life because his, his sight was restored to him, which means he could see before. That's why he said, I see men as trees because he wasn't blind his whole life and saw every man clearly. In other words, Jesus helped this man get in a position to receive all that God had for him. See, it's not up to what God can do, it's up to what you and I can believe, right? If Jesus helped this man, he will help you. Do you ever notice when you're standing and believing God for things, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's this time factor that tests your faith. Why is this? Why is this not happening as fast as I want? Why is this not happening the way I want? right? But don't worry about any of that. In other words, yours and my part is to come to Jesus, to believe him, and to act on our belief. His part 
is for his word to effectually work and effect a cure in your body. His job is the healing. Take your, see, Satan will always try to get you looking at his part. Right? If you be willing and obedient. That's my part, to be willing and obedient. You, God says you shall eat the best that the land can provide. That's his part. So take all the pressure off yourself. We have people running around going, well, if I'm in faith, I can't take medicine. Really? Where is that in the Bible? No, no, faith comes by hearing the word. It doesn't come by not taking medicine. As a matter of fact, if you're taking medicine, take it in faith because there's some toxicity and stuff in that and just believe God for that medicine to help you and not hurt you, right? But, but realize this, God does not work with doctors and surgeons and all this other stuff. No, 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 no. God is the healer. Doctors and surgeons work with God. Get it right in your mind. So, so do you have a, is it okay to have a surgical procedure? Yeah. Man, that surgeon could cut you open, adjust some things, screw some things, do whatever, take some stuff out, but he can't heal you. So you still got to believe God for healing. And oh, by the way, the surgeon's a man, so you better believe God to come upon that man or that woman and, and really give them wisdom and write all this stuff. I'm telling you, Jesus told Brother Hagen that in one of his visions. Tell my people when they go into the hospital, go in for a procedure. I'll be there with them. Right? I'll be there with them. And, and have them believe me for a quick and full recovery, right? So this is, this is a beautiful story. Now look at verse 26 as we're coming to the close of this. And he sent him away to his house. Jesus sent this blind man away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. Wow, Jesus, you are hard on Bethsaida. Don't, disciples don't go there. I'm pulling you out. I'm not doing a miracle in this town anymore because you rejected me. And by the way, Mr. Mr. who now sees, don't, go don't tell anybody that's from that town and don't go back into that town. Why would Jesus say that to him? Because you can lose what you get from God. So you've got to be careful the environment you go back into. Hebrews 4.14, I want to give you a couple scriptures you could just write them down. Hebrews 4.14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. Because I have a high priest that is seated at the right hand of God, he's the King of kings, Lord of lords, all the authority is in his name, I'm going to hold fast to saying what he says. And if he says I'm healed, then I'm healed. If he says I'm provided for, then I'm provided for. If he says I have no fear, then fear is not part of my life. I trust in what he says. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. The, hold fast to saying what he says. Without wavering, why? Because he's faithful. What, what does that mean? When I hold fast to what he said, 
then he will bring it to pass. He will perform it. It's not my job to perform it. Take all the pressure off yourself. It's not your job to overcome the world. You'll overcome the world because you're born of God. But, but who is going to perform all that overcoming? Him, not, not us. What do we do? I come to Jesus. I receive and believe his word, and then I act on it. And his word works in me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Here's a big one. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Man, if you, why are we preaching on healing so much? Because we need this foundation. We don't realize what all those years of doubt and unbelief and, and false doctrine saying that God heals some and not others. No, no, no. God doesn't save some and not others. He provides everything for everyone. That's who he is. A strong corporate faith creates an environment for miracles. And that's what I want us to believe God for in this church. Now, and don't think just because of what's going on right now that we're never going to lay hands on the sick. We will. But, man, God could, I, I, I've seen it. There's going to be some of the most miraculous things, healings take place in our church with just their sitting, listening to a message and they just receive. Jesus told him not to go back into an environment of doubt and unbelief or even associate with people of doubt and unbelief. You can't afford it. Do you know sickness? It's a, it's a form of death. You get enough of it in your body and you'll go home. So we don't play with these things. So I want to encourage you. See, now, now our Bethsaida is not just a location. There could be people watching online today. And I'll talk to you right now. Listen, don't turn on Fox after this message or you'll lose this message. Listen to God. Because you don't want to go back into an environment of doubt and unbelief. You want to keep yourself in an environment of faith. And I got to tell you, this, this in the financial arena is so important. Because guys, we are to prosper and increase. We are to be a storehouse to bless others during a time of lack or whatever it is. The God of heaven, he has, the gospel is this. His kingdom is here, guys. And his kingdom is to, it's literally to spread on this earth as people come into the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there's no lack, there's no fear, there's no depression, there's no anxiety, there's no hopelessness. We don't fear our future. My future's secure. Your future's secure in him. Amen?